Amen. That's beautiful and very much consistent with uh, what we're going to do next. We're going to pray in a couple of different shifts this morning. And so I'm just going to talk in between. We're going to do a couple different things. Um, <clears throat> so obviously this has been a tough week. And um, I want to read a verse to you before I uh, say anything else. Psalm 34, verse 18. Psalm 34, verse 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. It's really good, so I'm going to read that again. Psalm 34, 18. As if we're going to come together today on a Sunday morning in the name of God, we should learn more about Him. And tragedy is not new to Him, and He is not the originator of evil. So again, Psalm 34, verse 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Today, we have hope in the face of evil. C.S. Lewis and J.R. Tolkien were friends and had been alive through the First World War, which was incredibly bloody. And when they wrote their novels that have survived through the Chronicles of Narnia and the, the trilogy of the Lord of the Rings, it was about hope in the face of evil because they were writing stories for their grandchildren because they had lived through very dark times themselves. And they had found what was true, and that is that in God, there is hope in the face of evil. I don't know what your week was like, but some of us have seen the face of evil. Today, there are people that are grieving. Family of Freddie Gray is still still grieving, Lorscuda. And just a couple days ago, a Hopkins teacher was murdered just a few blocks from here. The families of Alton Sterling, the families of Flano Castile are grieving today. Across our nation, be they tax collector or prostitute, drug dealer, gang member, police officer, nurse, firefighter, people are grieving. Families are grieving. Families are grieving in Dallas. Police officers murdered. Families are grieving in Orlando. And Friday night, as I marched with the protesters and saw Christian ministers and the LGBT community out in force, I saw that people are grieving. Families are grieving. People are still grieving in Turkey, where Ben grew up, in Bangladesh, in Iraq, in Saudi Arabia, and in Iraq, where there has been recent mass violence. I want to be clear today. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. 
He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The psalmist knew this. This isn't some make-believe book with people that had perfect lives talking about fairy tales. Some people that knew sorrow, that knew corruption, that knew injustice. I want to say to you that here now, this place and with your spiritual family, this is a safe place to feel, to think, to ask questions, to be angry, to be afraid, to feel overwhelmed. This is a safe place for all of that. You may feel overwhelmed today. I don't know where your emotions are today. Maybe you had the blessing of not even looking at the news. Wherever you're at, this is an okay environment to feel what you're feeling. I want to speak specifically to the anger. God knows anger. Remember what we say, everything about Jesus informs us about God. When Jesus first publicly revealed himself as Messiah, he quoted a very specific passage of Isaiah 61. And I want to read that to you. Isaiah 61, just the first couple verses, you don't have to turn there. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. When Jesus chose to reveal himself as Messiah, he chose a very specific prophecy to read. Because Jesus revealed the God of justice. This prophecy says, For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I faithfully reward my people for their suffering and make an everlasting covenant with them. In Genesis 4.10, with the first murder, God spoke of His anger. He said, What have you done? His blood cries out to me from the ground. If you are angry, your God is angry. If you are saying, it should not be, your God is saying, it should not be. And yet in the mystery of who He is, He is the God who is about setting the wrongs right. The implications of the gospel is that this is a God who loves justice and a God who loves mercy. We, two weeks ago, we spoke about being a peacemaker. If everyone involved in these situations were following Jesus as peacemakers, these tragedies would not be. The words of Jesus are relevant. I believe that God is alive, aware, 
able and active. We are created in His image. And anything that is done that violates the image of God and another human is wrong. No matter what uniform you wear. It's wrong. We're going to pray, but first, you can't share peace until you have peace. So I'm going to have the band come back and we're going to play a song called When You Walk Into the Room. And here's, here's what this is talking about is an awareness of Jesus walking into the room where you are. But really, we know that God is always with us, and what this is really about is our awareness of His presence. And we want to give you time and space for some healing, because what we're going to do is we're going to turn our feeling of hopelessness or anger or whatever we're feeling, we're going to turn it to persistent prayer. Right? We're going to turn because we serve a God who is in control. So... I want to read a prayer and I want to give you the freedom. If you want to walk, walk. If you want to kneel, kneel. If you want to lay down, lay down. If you want to stand, stand. But we're going to spend a little bit of time committed to being aware of his presence. I'm going to give you some time to pray individually while we sing this song. And then we will come back together and pray as a group with some victory, with some peace and with some joy. Here's the prayer I'd like to read to you today. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking, as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right, If I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. We turn to you now to pray because we know that we don't have what it takes. We turn to you now to pray because we believe that you're God, the creator. We turn to you now to pray because we believe that you're in control. We turn to you now to pray because we believe that Jesus has revealed to us new life and a supernatural power from with resurrection from the dead a sign that our sins are indeed forgiven a sign that in you we are indeed made new and we turn to you today asking that you would hear our cry hear our cry right here right now today this morning thank you Lord Jesus God, we repent before you today of the violence that's been done in our country. God, the blood of innocent people cries out to you from our soil. God, as a white man, I stand and I repent for the murders that have been committed. To my black brothers and sisters, I love you. And I'm so sorry for what my people have done to your people and to your families for so many years. 
God, the pain cries out before you. And we acknowledge it. It is wrong. It's sinful. God, and I am to blame. I and my people. God, we ask for the blood of Jesus over this country. Holy God, as a son of God, as a small child of God, as one with Christ living in me, as one who lives in Christ in whom there is no black and white, there is no male and female, there is no slave and free. God, I ask for reconciliation and for redemption. God, we ask for your forgiveness. We plead the blood of Jesus. God, I ask that you would bring fullness of life to this country. That you would erase the lines. That you would bring freedom and justice. Holy God, I ask that by the time my little girls have grown up, that their black friends and neighbors and family, that their black brothers and sisters would have all the freedom and all the peace that they do, that they would all be able to walk together with heads held high, hand in hand, as one people. God, that they would be able to walk in your love and live out the life of Christ as you intended. God, bring freedom. Bring peace and justice and reconciliation. Holy God, we thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus and for the new life that you have given us. We put our trust in you. And we wait for your redemption. In the name of Jesus. I want to continue in our prayer time for us as a people to come together, God. Regardless of our religion, regardless of regardless of our skin color, regardless of our, our, our persuasions, Father, Lord, that we are all created in your image, God. No matter what our socioeconomic background is, no matter what our education level is, no matter our position in society, Father, we are all just children at your throne. And as you said, let them come to me, Father. You call all of us, God. I pray that we'll be able to join arms together. As I even look in this room, all the different places and countries that are even represented in this room, Lord, to just worship you, Father. That is what you want. You want the nations of the world to worship at your feet. God, we pray that even just for our country, Father, we'll be able to come together, Lord. We'll be able to come to your feet, to the foundation, Father, of our, of our just of everything, Lord, is, is back to you. To turn back to the cross. To turn back to the salvation and the healing and the redemption and the grace that is offered through the cross, God. Lord, let your will reign. Let your standard raise higher than all others. When everything else seems to be failing, when we feel like we can't trust government, we feel like we can't do that, let us come instead together and turn to you. For your standard has remained unchanged since the beginning, God. Your fabric is in everything, Father. Let us step back and see that beautiful tapestry that is our country. All the interwoven things brought together, God, that you've created here, Lord. And let us just come to you, Father, and be that beautiful creation that you want us to be, Jesus.
ask that you would help us to see how to respond, Lord, as we now turn to really take a bath in the scripture, I pray that you would help us to not only be hearers of the word, but also doers. Help us to see how you want us to respond. Lord, we turn to you. We love you. We thank you that we can come to you and ask you to do miracles and that you are able and that you were already at work. Help us. Help us to respond to you this morning. Lord, right now we ask for a miracle of your mercy and your grace for every family that's grieving. Lord, please do a miracle of supernatural peace. From Orlando to Dallas, from Turkey to Bangladesh, in Baltimore, but all across our nation, do a miracle, we ask. Grace and peace. Help us, Lord, to see where you want us, what you want us to do. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 We're going to turn to the scripture now. And I'm going to, I'm actually not going to do a lot of preaching. I'm going to let the word do the talking and give you time to soak it in. Give the clicker. So again, Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the broken hearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Wherever you are on the spectrum in your response, it's okay. We need to recognize that our challenges are natural and spiritual. That they are natural in people and people are broken and there's disease and there, there can be things physically wrong in a person's brain and their heart and their function. And they're also spiritual. We have God who created us and we have an enemy of our soul who is seeking to steal, kill, and destroy. And people can give way to the influence of... It'll be okay. People, people can give way to the influence of the enemy. Right? So our problem is natural and spiritual. And I want to remind us as we turn to the scripture today that everyone in this room, we are eternal spiritual beings having a temporary natural experience. That was worth repeating. We are eternal spiritual beings having a temporary natural experience. Right? Amen. Romans 8, 35 and 37. Nothing will separate me from the love of Jesus. In all these things, I am more than a conqueror through Him who loved me. I will be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Ephesians six ten. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13. And the context of that verse is about going through something that is difficult with peace. Not about asking for a new car. 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. So if I have a fear that is controlling me, it did not come from God. And I need to recognize where does it come from and unpack it and process it, right? God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. That'll preach by itself. There's your, your, your four points right there. That's all you need. Go home. God bless you, right? First Timothy 2.1 I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. What kind of people? All people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf. That means stand in the gap for them. Be the one who's willing to pray them through to the miracle. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. What kind of people do we give thanks for? All All people. people. The Bible says crazy stuff. (laughs) Colossians 4.2 Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. It is by no accident that we are a praying church. Right? 365 24-7. We are a praying church. And it doesn't matter if you use $25 words or five cent words, right? It doesn't matter if it's short or long. It doesn't matter if it's loud or quiet or if it's silent. We believe that prayer is for everyone. God created you with breath in your lungs and it's his breath. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Now, I want to talk about our response because I would venture a guess that, like me, at some point this week, you were shaken and unsure of how to respond. It's time for us to wake up. And some of us are given to, well, all of us. If I'm being, if I'm keeping it 100. (laughs) Are prone to distraction by the way of selfishness. I'm not here to hurt you this morning. I'm here to help you. We can be prone to distraction by the way of selfishness. And not be investing in the relationships with people that God has put directly in our path. And then when something like this occurs, we realize that we're not doing what we should do and we don't know how to do what we should do. Because being a Jesus follower is a verb, right? It's a state of being and an action. I need to be a Jesus follower before I can do Jesus follower. So in my heart, in my state of being, which is where Jesus is focused, because really the good news of Jesus is an inside-out, upside-down thing. It doesn't work the way the world works, trying to control you from the outside. Jesus influences you and leads you from the inside. That's why we don't get caught up on people's external behaviors. That's why this is not a legalistic, fundamentalist, outside-focused church. This is a church, a place of grace, 
This is a safe place. Right? A safe place for us to be human. Because we believe that Jesus leads us from the inside. So it's time for us to wake up. Some of us are distracted and some of us lazy, really, and some of us hyperactive, overactive. But do you know that you can be distracted and be selfish in both ways? In laziness and in overactivity. And not doing the one simple thing that Jesus put right in front of us to do. So here's my advice. It's time for us to ask questions. Whatever your response is this week, what was going on on the inside of that police officer when he pulled the trigger? Now, I don't mean just ask the question. I mean ask it and think about it. My mom's only sibling was a career police officer in Kansas City. He's on his fourth marriage and he's had a horrible life. What is going on? So many police officers are undertrained, undersupported, no mental health department, no coaching, no help, young, no one showing them how to interact with the community. All they're taught is how to interact with criminals and plaintiffs. Do you know that only this year did Baltimore City Police start training officers on how to interact with the rest of us? Undertrained, undersupported, underpaid. Just like school teachers. When a school teacher hits a child, what's going on inside that school teacher's heart? Because you know that neither the police officer nor the school teacher started that job, set out to pull a teacher, to pull a trigger or smack a child. It's the same thing with the drug dealer and the gang member and the prostitute. They were kids one day. What is going on on the inside that has caused them to end up where they are? And I, listen, we gotta be honest. There are no simple questions to those answers. There are a lot of complex answers to those questions because every human is created unique like a snowflake. Every, every human has had a different life experience, different shaping factors. And if we want to love somebody else, we got to get to know somebody else. If we want to be peacemakers, we need to ask ourselves, what is going on on the inside of them that is causing them to behave this way? So this sets us up for when we have interpersonal interactions, right? When we have a conversation with somebody that God has put on our path and we get the, the pluck up, the bravery, right? To, to ask him a question, to ask good questions, Open-ended questions. And then to listen. Not think about your response. I'm saying not think of like the first four words out of their mouth and you've already started to think about what you're going to say back. You hear what I'm saying? If we're going to be peacemakers, if we're going to be bridge builders, if we are going to lead, and this is what it's going to take in the United States. It's going to take all of us To take ownership and responsibility and to break out of selfishness. And the most effective way that I know to how to break out of selfishness is by following Jesus. I have never seen external pressure on your behavior. Don't do this, don't do that. I've never seen that to work 
as effectively as follow Jesus, love him with all you've got, love others. That works. We need to ask questions. We need to listen. And today and this week and everywhere we go, we need to speak love. Speak love. We need to speak love. I'd like for you this morning to ask yourself two questions that you see on the screen. Where does God have me? What does God want me to do? Because the answer to that question is going to lead you not to something that will overwhelm you and break you. Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. We only get overwhelmed in trying to follow Jesus when we try to follow Jesus and carry our other stuff. When we try to follow Jesus and still do what we do to make ourselves happy and self-medicate. Are you with me? That's when following Jesus feels oppressive. If you follow Jesus to love him in response to his love for you, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So I want you right now to think, where does God have you? What does God want you to do? Let's just pause. Let's just pause for a moment. Just by yourself. Just think about these questions for a moment, okay? Lord, I ask that you'd give us courage. Lord, we notice that your followers, they asked for boldness more than anything else. Please give us courage to do what you're asking us to do. In the name of Jesus. You see, in this room we have teachers, people in the medical profession, we have Moms, we have dads, and all y'all are neighbors. Right? Like a good neighbor. Jesus is there. Um, You are there. Right? When you walk in the room, you are bringing the presence of the living God. And you change the atmosphere. It's whether or not you realize it. That matters. 
when you walk into the room. So all of us have practical things that we can do to make a difference. Joe, will you come up here? I want to give you a quick object lesson that with all the roller coaster that this week was, I could not get out of my head. We have some friends on the West Coast. We're West Coast people, which is why we do things that are a little bit different, right? I know, like, I know you noticed. <laughs> Look, I've been like this since I was 14, right? I'm more comfortable with punk rock than anything else. So we do, people on the West Coast call this treasure hunting. And we did this, um, on Friday night. How many of you were with me at the park on Friday night? We had, you know, we had several, several people out there. Um, I want to show you how you can pray for somebody else because I believe that there's not a single person in this room that God doesn't want to do this. Okay. God wants you, here's what I'm talking about. God wants you to ask somebody else if you can pray for them. You. Um, I don't have the time this morning to lay it out, but the Bible says that the miracles are a sign for the unbeliever. You notice that when Jesus did miracles, they were in public and there was always non-believers present. He didn't do miracles when it was just them. That needed to sink in. Maybe you haven't seen miracles because you haven't asked God for a miracle in front of an unbeliever. All right now? Okay. All right. Real. Now let's lighten up. Let's lighten up. So I want Joe to pretend like he doesn't know me and I'm going to, I'm going to give you an example. How's it going? It's all right. Yeah. What's going on? I understand that. Yeah. Anything you want to talk about? Got a baby on the way, a roof that's leaking, a car that's broken. <laughs> that's a lot. It's true. How are you feeling about that? A little overwhelmed. I, I, uh, I've felt that way before. I remember when we were expecting our first baby, I was freaking out. And car problems and bill I've man I've gone through that I found that even through the hard stuff it's possible to have peace with Jesus and I've seen God do some amazing stuff is there anything I can can I pray for you about that now these are real things that Joe's going through that's not so so I'm going to pray right now for the real stuff. Okay? Lord, I thank you for Joe. And I thank you that he's being honest and that he's asking for help. Because God, I know that you show up when people are honest and ask for help. Lord, I ask that you would help him in his feeling overwhelmed. That you'd help him to be aware that you are with him. That you'd help him in every moment of every day to be aware that you are his provider. Lord, I ask that you would do miracles of unexpected, supernatural, financial blessing, money that would come in to pay for the car repair, to pay for the roof repair. And Lord, I pray for a healthy, perfect delivery of this child. And I pray that you would cover the whole transition, that you would help he and his wife 
to experience your love and peace, that nothing would steal their love and peace in this season. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I know why you didn't ask me to get anything ready. <laughs> so, so how are you feeling now? Much better. Good. Good. Yeah. Well, you got my number. Yeah, we'll talk. <laughs> so I want you to notice a few things, okay? Because we talked about this last Sunday... And I could not get it off my mind to talk about it again this Sunday. And believe it or not, I had a whole different sermon prepared for today. We want, I want you to see how to do this because I believe that God is calling this church to step into a new season of doing this. I keep putting out opportunities. You don't need my opportunities. You got your own. But I'm going to continue to invite you to places and times where it's easy to do this. Okay, and I'm gonna say, go. You can ask for help. I'll show you. I'll go with you a few times, just like Jesus did with his followers. I'll go with you. I'll take the lead, and then I'll put you in. I'll let you take the lead. We'll do it together. But you ask open-ended questions, get them talking, and you listen. Don't rush. Listen. Don't give answers. Listen. Identify with what they're feeling. Maybe tell a quick story of how something changed for you. But definitely say, how are you feeling about that? What are you thinking about that? Or, is there anything I can pray for you about? Some of the people with the most dramatic stories of life change have talked about when everything about them on the outside, the way they were dressed, their body posture, their actions, when everything showed that they were far from God and hateful against God followers, God was doing something on the inside and somebody looked past what was on the outside and talked to their spirit. You talk to their spirit, not their face. Ask. Is there anything I can pray for you about? Do you think you can do that? It's okay if the answer is no. This is a place to be honest. We got time. You don't have to do it today. We'll talk it through. Does that sound good? Okay. Um, Now I have an announcement. In recent months, I've had a number of experiences that led me to believe that the name of our church does not communicate who we are to people that are learning about us, whether they're far from God or church people. So, actually several months ago, I started to pray about that and think about that, as I started to realize that the name of our church was actually a problem. So I met with the elders, talked to the elders met with a few of the people that are in this room. There's several people that had to be out of town, some at the last minute today. Met with a number of people, started to ask questions, started to get some insight. And I I started to go back to, it'd probably be about eight years ago, when Rebecca and I were really fasting and praying and preparing and going through assessment of this whole, is God telling us to start a church? And I want to read to you the scripture that 
God had, God had made it clear that it was supposed to be start a church, but the scripture that God used to not only confirm that he was telling us to start a church, but also to send us to Baltimore. And it's in Psalm 107. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others he has redeemed you from your enemies. For he has gathered the exiles from many lands, from east and west, from north and south. Some wandered in the wilderness, lost and homeless. Hungry and thirsty, they nearly died. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble. And he rescued them from their distress. He led them straight to safety, to a city where they could live. And I read that in that moment, the words jumped off the page to me. And I knew that God called us to come to Baltimore to start a church in the middle of the city. And then I got to verse 30 and there was no more doubt. What a blessing was that stillness as he brought them safely into harbor. We spent five years in the Rotunda Cinemas, and so we're not a one-neighborhood church. We're, we're as much a Waverly church as we are a Hamden church. So when we started to talk about, well, what would a name look like? We knew that the name needed to describe who we are, and we are a city church. We're a city that's never going to the suburbs. There's other people there already. We're a church that serves the city with love that works. And we're, we're also a church that's a harbor. Kind of like a home at last. A safe place. And also there's people that are coming in. And people that are being sent out to other places. Sent out to other cities. And also sent out into the neighborhoods. A commissioning and the harbor in Baltimore. And we're not moving to the harbor. <laughs> we are not moving. We're here. But the harbor is actually why this building was built. And my house, our house that's around the corner, it's why that house was built because of the activity at the harbor. And so it's got a spiritual significance and it's also got a natural experience. So it's a geographic thing. It's, it's also about resting in salvation and it's certainly a life on mission kind of identity. He led them straight to safety. To a city where they could live. What a blessing was that stillness as he brought them safely into harbor. So from this moment on, I welcome you to City Harbor Church. A safe place for people to find and follow Jesus. You heard it all throughout the service through the testimonies and our activities. And this Wednesday, we start our Celebrate Recovery at the Hamden Family Center, Wednesday, 7 o'clock. This Wednesday, 7 o'clock, Celebrate Recovery. Our Celebrate Recovery is in the prisons. Our recovery house that's opening here at the end of this month at, at, at Penn Lucy. This is the church that we are. That's right. We're not moving. 
It doesn't change our theology, our love of Scripture. It doesn't change our relationship with our home church, City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon. None of that's changed. But this is a better description of who we are. City Harbor Church, a safe place to find and follow Jesus. So we have a little bit of concept art that's been done. We'll be rolling out a new website. All that stuff. New logo. Be changing over all the social media stuff. If you put a check in the box today, we're going to have to pull it out and change if you wrote City Bible on it. Because this change is official. What do you think? Well, let's stand and pray.